Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi. Bam, 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 bam. Hello. Today we're going to be playing Lost Cities, designed by Reiner Knizia of <gasps> Tigris and Euphrates, The Quest for El Dorado, Raw, Modern Art, Samurai, Battleline, My City, Lords of the Ring, Confrontation, Shot and Toten, Amon Ray, Ingenious, Taj Mahal, Through the Desert High Society, Car- Carcassonne? Uh, it's one of the oh, carcassons. Blah, blah, blah. A lot more. So I like to list all these out because I'm always curious to see how far you will get into, <laughs> into the list. The art is by Vincent Dutrait of Robinson Crusoe, Jaipur, Quest for El Dorado, uh, a lot more, but those are some ones that we've played. And I think it's Vin- Vincent Dutre. Oh, Dutre. Uh, and it is published in 1999 by Cosmos Games, although republished in 2018, probably by Cosmos. I don't know who did the 1999. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure either, but Cosmos definitely did the 2018. Uh, two explorers embark on a research journeys to remote corners of the world, the Himalayan mountains and Central American rainforest, the Egyptian desert, a mysterious volcano, and the bottom of the sea. As the cards are played, the expedition routes take shape and explorers earn points. The most daring adventurers uh, make bets on success of their expeditions. The rules of the game are simple, but beware. Lost cities hold many unseen mysteries. The mechanics are hand management, push your luck, score and rest, Score and rest game and set uh, collection. I think that might be a score and reset. I think it's score and reset. Yep. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Yeah. Score and reset and set collection. <laughs> you score it and then you take a small nap. <laughs> That's what I was like, I was trying to picture it and I was kind of excited. Score and siesta. And then we have some tea. Uh, the box art is um, kind of some uh, tradi- traditional explorer types uh, in, I'm going to say some Egyptian rooms. Looks like the Sphinx there in the back. Yeah, it looks like they just came out of like a cave or something and then just just discovered this area of uh, ruins. One guy's got a map. Well, it's not really a map. It looks like it's supposed to be a picture picture of what they see. uh, Drawings of uh, what they find. And the other one is uh, excitedly pointing. Yeah, it reminds me of like the little book that Indiana Jones had that had all like the things that his his dad had written down. And then, you know, he used that to like figure stuff out. Yeah. So based off all this, would you pull it off a show? I think I would just to at least look at it. Um, I'm always curious with like two player games because, you know, we've played a bunch of them at this point. And I feel like most of the two player games we've played, we've liked. I think Seven Wonders Duel is probably one that you and I didn't care for. But the other ones that we've played, Patchwork, uh, Fox in the Forest, we've liked um, and some other ones. So I'm always curious to see like games that are specifically built for two players. So I think I would. And then Reiner Knizia, like... I'm probably going to lean no. Um, I I am interested in... I mean, I think I want to play more Reiner Knizia games because I think yeah. they've all been at least interesting to play. Two-player games, like you said, I think have been... But a lot of them I've liked. And I do like a good... Ones that are well-designed for two players, I think are just... Are nice. They don't always pull it off. Right. But, um, um, but I don't know. It's an older game. I'm generally, I generally assume things published in, you know, pre 2000s uh, have just been updated with better mechanics and better. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how this, this uh, comes off. Cause I think this will be one of the older games that we've played. I think the oldest game we've played is for sale and that was 1996. But we did enjoy so, I'm curious, so, you know, yeah. I guess I can, I can be proven wrong, but yeah, I'd probably lean towards no. I'd probably look at it and think, oh, what's an updated version of this? Yeah, that's fair. 
how do I how think, do think it's, it's played? played? Yeah. Now that we know it's not score and rest, it's score and reset. It changes everything. <laughs> it changes everything. So hand management, I assume we'll have like cities we're trying to explore. Push your luck. So I, I'm guessing we're going to like go out and try to try to explore with our hand. And like the more we, we play down our cards and things, then the more we're going to discover. And then um, we're trying to collect sets of cities, obviously. Because uh, cities come in sets. Naturally. Well, I mean, locations. every city is... I'm guessing it's like city sets has within like, its... like the, the, you know, Egyptian set of, of discoveries uh, versus the other locations. Um, and so we'll, we'll go out, we'll try to explore as much as we can before we hit some sort of limit. And then um, we all meet back at Exploration Headquarters and uh, take a nap and have some tea and talk about all of our great luck. And we just have a good rest. Well, we got to get back to the university so we can teach our, right. our archaeology yep. class as any good explorer does. Because let's be honest, being a university professor isn't going to pay the bills. You've got to steal, uh, steal treasures from. <laughs> yeah, you got to steal antiquities to really make the to get the bills paid. All right. Well, uh, the history of uh, lost cities. So imagine deep in the rainforests of modern day Guatemala, a city of nearly 100,000 people with huge stone temples and palaces. A library, a jail, a sports ball arena, active life in the Mayan Empire. Uh, so you find yourself in the city of uh, what was probably called Yaxmutal, Yaxmutal, I, I don't know at all. It's one of the largest and most powerful cities of the Mayan Empire. And one day, around 900 common era after a thousand years of existence, suddenly declined and in under a century was completely abandoned and left to be reclaimed by the jungle. So this is known as the lost city of Tikal. At least it's known today. It had a previous name, but we didn't find that out until after we renamed it because, you know. Uh, and of course, with most lost cities, the local peoples don't really actually forget that it exists. It's not really lost. It's just sort of abandoned. It's just not known to Europeans yet. So they get to rediscover it and claim that they found a lost city. Yeah, uh, classic. Yep, which was done within uh, 1848 when an archaeological team, uh, I think a Spanish team, uh, was guided to the site by the locals and Tikal was rediscovered. Cities tend to go through a period of growth and decline, but complete abandonment is pretty uncommon. That's why the whole Lost Cities is excited. So you've got like Petra and uh, Angkor Wat or Angkor um, Machu Picchu. So those are all kind of the Lost Cities that were kind of rediscovered, but nobody ever really forgot they were there. They just became unsustainable. Petra's pretty cool. Yeah. In this case, it's believed to be a combination of Mayan overexpansion, warfare, overpopulation, and then agricultural instability because of an ongoing drought that caused the city to get abandoned. And most cities that do end up getting abandoned tend to be in areas that are plentiful during good times and incredibly harsh and unforgiving uh, if the climate kind of goes awry. So tend to be in like deep jungles or rainforests, um, deserts. You know, places where agriculture is possible until it's not. And then you kind of have to just totally abandon it. I was going to ask like where, like generally geographically, if it was in like a good spot, but that explains it. Yeah. So it's it's like deep rainforest Guatemala. So like if you think of Mayan. Uh, so actually what we best know to call as is Yavin 4 of Star Wars. Oh, really? Yep. So George Lucas went there and filmed uh, like the establishing shots of the big dense forest with sort of the runes popping out of it. That's to call. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty remote and pretty, uh, you know, pretty harsh environment. I wonder if some of the like Machu Picchu stuff, because like I know Petra is, you know, the the 
the initial, not like the city itself, but the, what everybody knows as the temple of, uh, yeah, the temple with the whole going. Yeah, exactly. That like, that's, that is Petra. It's like the first thing you hit, like when you walk down from like where the buses drop you off, basically there's like a big road, you hit that kind of like temple and then you take a right and it actually takes you down into the, the, the city of Petra. But it's interesting that I didn't know that. Yeah. Yavin four was also a, one of the lost cities. And, uh, Angkor was, um, Tomb Raider. Oh, really? Jungle in like the stone statues and stuff. The movie or the, like the game, the, um, movie but i would wouldn't be surprised if some game stuff was based on it yeah okay um, that's cool and i'm sure machu Picchu has been used in some stuff so there you that's go it's actually quite interesting uh some lost cities some lost city stuff at least from the perspective of europeans i guess yeah. probably abandoned <laughs> cities is the much better term because i feel like there's also a bunch because isn't there a place near you that's like you know ghost town type thing like west western well, that's a little different because that's just not because it's unsustainable, but because it was a really bad spot for a city, but it had some really good resource. So in Arizona, usually copper. And so they mined it out oh, yeah. and abandoned it. Same thing with Alaska. I remember they're going to like places that used to have a population of like 20,000 people. And now it's a population of like three. Yeah, I was I was thinking the uh, the areas around the Salton Sea in uh, California. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be like this big resort area. Then the the, the, the water got like poisoned basically. And now you can't. You can't touch it. Yep. Actually, that, that's really one theory for Tikal was that the drought and some other things caused like an algae bloom in the water and basically poisoned yeah. it. And they just, there's no water. So they left. I think Angkor, huh. Angkor's abandonment was also a lot to do with drought and water too. So, uh, okay. Do you want to know how to play? We are leading expeditions and doing our best to form routes that minimize costs and maximize discoveries. At the end of the game, when a player has taken the last card from the draw pile, the player with the most points is the winner. The oldest player goes first, which means by a solid 55 days, I get to go first. Uh, so obviously play alternates after that. So on your turn, you're going to do the following steps. So you can play a card. Uh, so you're going to choose a card in your hand and play it. Uh, you have two options. Basically, you can place that card on one of the expeditions. So each of the expeditions is colored. Um, they are yellow, white, blue, green, and red. And then if you're playing the second edition, there's also a purple uh, for a long game. We're just going to play the short game version. So we're not going to play with the, uh, the purple expedition. So you'll have cards in your hand. They are numbered two to 10. Uh, and so you can play the uh, card to one of the max, max matching expeditions and you're going to play it to your side of the board. Uh, there are some stipulations. Uh, first, um, if it's uh, the card has to be a higher value than the highest value that's already in the column. So basically we're going to go in ascending order. And then uh, you can also play wager cards, which will have like handshakes on them. Uh, they have to be played first to an expedition. And basically you're betting uh, on that expedition. Uh, and then the second thing you can do with that card is you can just discard it. So you're going to discard it to the discard pile of that matching color, which will kind of be on a board that's in between each of the players. And then after you're done doing that, you're going to draw a card. So you can either take the top card from the draw pile, which you obviously don't know what it is because it's face down, or you can take the top card of any of the discard piles. So at that point, you know what you're taking uh, and it might be help for you, helpful for you. 
So the game ends immediately when a player has taken the last card from the draw pile and then scoring is done. So for each column where you have placed cards, you're going to add up all the face values for each card. Then you're going to subtract 20. Basically, this is the cost for the expedition. Uh, if you have wager cards, so there's three for each color. So if you have one, two or three wager cards, you'll multiply that number by two, three or four respectively. Uh, so you can have a negative value. The example in the rule book is somebody puts a wager to the white expedition and then never plays a card to the white expedition. So you have zero face value there. You subtract 20. So now your score is negative 20, but they had one wager there, which means they double it. So they had minus 40 points for the expedition. <laughs> so that's where the push your luck bit comes in. Uh, and then and then after you do that multiplication, if you've played eight or more cards to the column, you get to add 20 points to that column. Uh, and then according to the rules, if that was your first game, then set it back up and uh, play again. And the player who had the most points goes first in the next game. And then after a set of three games, the player with the highest score is the winner. Um, and the rule book has no tiebreaker. So I'm assuming uh, you cannot tie. We fight to the death. I think that should be the case. Let's play. We just finished a game of Lost Cities to recap. In game one, Kiwi won 30 to 23. In game two, I won 92 to 37. And in game three, I won again with 36 to 25 for a total of 151 for me to 92 for Kiwi. Yeah. What was your what was your winning strategy? Well, I was all over the place. I was not very consistent yeah. in my scores. Uh, I mean, the first round, I just was kind of figuring it out. Uh, the second round, I kind of... First round, I, I think I overplayed. I think it went for four, maybe all five of the different colors. And then the second one, yep. I was like, I'm just going to focus on three. And I got some early uh, wager cards. And so I used that to boost up. Um, and then I held I held onto red. So I played a couple uh, wager cards. And then I just held what I had and focused on the other ones to try to get them at least even. While I sort of built up the the hand of red. And so that that worked out well. And then the third game, I didn't get any wager cards. So I just sort of just trying to break even on that one. Yeah. And then for me, like I felt like I tried to play only a few of them because I knew like can't play them all because you kind of spread yourself too thin and you don't know what cards are going to come. Uh, and then the second one, I think I ended up giving you some red cards because I had decided I didn't have a whole lot of red cards. So I was just, just going to discard them and like that. <laughs> Like you immediately pick them up and I was like, ah, that's crap. kind of the tricky play is like if you start to play the set, then they can kind of see where you're at and discard under you or they know, OK, you're probably waiting for this next couple cards. So you don't want to discard yeah. that. But by holding red for basically the whole game, uh, you didn't know. So you just had to discard them. And then I took yep. them. And yeah, and then in the third game, I tried to do like double wager on two of the expeditions. One of them worked out. The other one, I would have broken even had I been able to play my last draw and then with the yellow i didn't really intend to play yellow but I. then i got some cards and i noticed what was on the top of the discard so i just started picking up cards and i was able to like you know get some points with yellow as well which kind of helped didn't necessarily completely even out what i lost but yeah the last the last one was interesting because neither of us had low numbers so we were all hesitant to play anything and then i kept 
I discarded a yellow and then drew a yellow over and over again. So I had like pretty much the whole stack was in the yellow discard. All right. Uh, what did you think of the theme? Did you feel like you were exploring Lost Cities? No, not yeah, at no, all. It's a, it's a numbers and colors on cards game. Yeah, it's definitely a Euro game where it's just like it, it's all mechanics and no story, which the game moves so fast. I was OK with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need a theme. I'm not. Well, I mean, I don't know. Ninety nine. I think in today you probably wouldn't quite pick exploration like this. Probably as your yeah, theme. that's probably true. You yeah. know, I mean, I, it's it's a hard one because like I I love Indiana Jones type stuff, and I think exploration is innate in humans. But you know, you have the whole like colonialism sort of uh, masked over it. That the whole stealing of antiquities yeah. and things like that. But I mean, the good part is is like because the theme is so weak. It in doesn't this, really like, hit on that, other than kind of the yeah, box it doesn't art. Really, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it, it doesn't feel as gross as it might it, if the game was like more heavily into, you know, hey, you're sending back stuff to the British Museum. It's like, <laughs> I, like I probably would just do maybe like a, a cool, obscure locations on Earth kind of thing and, and drop the whole Lost City sort of part of it. But uh, what do you think of the table presence? I mean, the arts really I don't think I ever looked at the art once because everything's pretty well color coded that I was only looking at the numbers. Um, and I think, you know, with other two player game, because we end up covering up a lot of the art, I'm not sure that if I saw someone playing this at a table that I would be drawn to yeah, it. It looks like a card game. Yeah. It just looks like a oh, standard card started, game. started, I did think the card backs look pretty cool. Like the, the sort of fish seashell underwater one looks kind of neat. Oh yeah. The, where the discard pile goes. Maybe it's not actually yeah. a card back. Yeah, no, the card back's like it's a, not the card back. I guess it's like just that discard. Note back. That that was kind of cool, but again, you kind of cover that up with the discard, and it doesn't really. Mostly, you get down to just numbers and symbols, which is, I mean, it works. Yeah, and I do way. appreciate that. Like every suit, we're just gonna call them suits. Like every suit has a theme to it, which is nice. Like the white is kind of a more mm-hmm. of a snowy. The yellow is desert. Blue is like kind of an underwater green is jungle and then volcano, which they brought up. I think when you read the, uh, the description and I was actually going to lay out the cards here. Cause I think they do like a panorama style to, and it, it does actually, it's nice. I don't, I don't think it's the kind of like the theme. Like I don't, I don't think it's a big part of the game. Yeah, it's just yeah, sort of, it does make a, it's there and you, you don't really notice it until kind of after the game when you're doing what we're doing right now. <laughs> Yeah, or like, because um, I think when we were playing um, Fugitive, we noticed that as well. But I think the art in Fugitive is so nice, and you never really cover it up per se. I mean, there's the ones where you play them upside down to like get yourself further along, and you you don't see those. But, you're but also I think you know, playing the card backs, you're actually your main game state is looking at the card back, and then only when you guess it right do you flip it over. It definitely does. Look, like, I don't know if this is updated art for 2018. Like, I don't know if they updated the art. Uh, I think the 2018 only really added the sixth expedition. This art might be the same art that was in 1999. And I'm going to guess probably yes. You know, looking at it in the graphic design, they probably just added a sixth made art that kind of matched and then went from there. Uh, mechanics. Uh, what did you think of this uh, Reiner Knizia masterpiece? I was looking at the the back of the rule book because uh, when it talks about, uh, what does it say? It says, uh, Reiner Knizia specializes in games whose simple rules give players much freedom of choice. And I was thinking about it when, you know, when we were describing our strategies mm-hmm. and we talked about like our three different games, like I felt like each of the three games played slightly differently than the last. 
like they didn't all feel the yeah, same. Definitely. I mean, they, but like, they felt like we, but we all took different ways. We played to different expeditions. We tried to play them differently. I think the first game we were both sort of figuring it out. And then from there we were able to like, we knew what we wanted to do. It was just a matter of what are the cards going to let us do. And then we had to make adjustments from there. So each of the three games felt slightly different. Yep. And I think like in the third game, I tried to play it more like my second game, but I think I had different cards. So I think if you if you have high number cards, you only need three to score points. So like yep, you could really exactly. just go, OK, I've got, you know, a few high cards. I'm just going to play them. And then so you could actually probably get more of the the suits done just by go ahead and playing playing early and yeah, start starting hide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that's I, think, true. I think there's a lot of depth to it for just being numbers and suits. And I don't know how he comes up with stuff like the minus 20. Like, how do you come up with that, Reiner? I'm sorry, Dr. Knizia. And I think the crazy part of that is, is like, I feel like that number was done on purpose. Like, I feel like there's some, because he's a mathematician. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was some like, okay, what what's the, like, if you have two through 10 as your face cards, what's the average value that you're going to get? Okay. If that's the average value, then subtract this. And then you throw in those wager cards. It's like, all right, well, you could end up with negative numbers. So best of luck yeah. to you. Just looking at the scores, like our generally our round scores were actually pretty close together. It was just that one round where you crushed red. Right, which I think is the power of the wager cards because that just changes everything. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what I think is most interesting about his games. They just feel very well thought out from the start. Not not that other games are bad, but it feels like, oh, you know, they they tried stuff and they play tested and they figured it out and that made a good game out of it. This one just feels like his games often feel like he knew what he was doing going in, which is interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, rules. Um, it took me, yeah, I was took me around it. to figure out. Uh, I don't always uh, grasp number card games quickly, so it usually takes me some hands on. So I think that the first round or so of playing, I was like, OK, I get it now. And then figuring out, of course, all the math and the pieces didn't really come into like maybe the third round. I was really thinking it out and checking cards and seeing what numbers added up to and stuff like that. I'd say that's the advantage of the whole um, what's it called? Play and reset game. Like you yeah. kind of have you can do a learning round and it doesn't really punish you. You know, I was a little behind, but I was able to catch up. Yeah, but not by much. I mean, our our scores were only seven apart and they go into that first round. You, so. you were also learning. I would say like if you were playing against somebody who's played before, you'd, you'd be starting at a disadvantage. Mm. But I think you'd catch up quickly in the first round. Uh, rule book? Uh, the rule book is very well laid out. It's uh, four pages uh, with the only like the second and third page are really where the rules are because uh, the first page is like the description and the game components. And the last page has like a whole section taking up uh, talking about Reiner Kinesia and then like kind of a, you know, the copyright info and then a scoring example. So the rules are, are basically two pages. So like it, it, it was super easy to pick up. I didn't feel like I needed any videos. Uh, I never went back to the rule book the whole time we were playing. So yeah. Player interaction. I think I asked her in the game, well, it's a two player game. How do we interact? And you just said we don't. <laughs> Which I don't know is entirely true. Like it, by the third round I did, I was watching more of what you were doing and trying not to discard things that I thought you wanted, seeing what numbers you had played and things like that. So I, I'd say there is some interaction. It's just very like, you know, very card game style, uh, just counting numbers and le less maybe interacting with you and just more like your your side of the board and just seeing what was played and what 
what I thought you needed. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's okay with the speed of the game. Cause I feel like there were times where we were kind of like, wait, whose turn is it? Because we, we went so fast. It was like, okay, no, it's your turn. Like you would go and then I'd be like, okay, it's your turn again. Cause I would have yeah. got, I just went, which I think was a little bit tabletop simulator. Like you would see the other person go, but it's so fast that I think it's okay that the player interaction like isn't crazy. I, mean, I don't think it's in a thing of okay or not. I mean, there's complex games that don't have much that are fine. Sure. I think it's just a matter yeah, of true. like, is that what you're looking for? I usually like more player interaction, especially in a two-player game. I think my favorite ones yeah. are a bit more. Um, it's a it's a card game. It's like a poker. There's player interaction, but I don't know. This is maybe not my style of interaction. All right. Would you play it again? I would. Um, I didn't mind it. I don't think it's something that I would add to the collection. Like, I think there are other games that, like, I was thinking about... Um, uh, air land and sea uh, especially the the critters at war one with the with the fun art like i think i would rather play that it has a similar type but you're more head to head i feel like there's a little bit more player interaction um i feel like mobility with this one because you don't really need the board you could definitely take this on the go which is nice but again you could do the same thing with uh air land and sea so um, but if somebody brought it up and said hey let's play this i would say okay so yeah, I would play it again, but I, it's not something I'm going to add to the collection. Would you play it again? <laughs> I was leaning yes, and then when you described it and mentioned Critters, Lender, and Sea, I was leaning no. I, I'm going to say yes. Uh, same situation, <laughs> though. Like it, A number of card games aren't really my thing. Like So the interaction is okay, but it's more akin to poker and blackjack of counting cards and things like that, which isn't my style. But I did have fun with it. So I think it was creative. So I, I think I would play it again. I don't know how many more times I would play it. And I'm sure there are probably yeah. games that I'd rather play over it. I just don't know them yet. But I, I thought it was enjoyable enough to give it another go. Like you said, if, if somebody just pulled out this deck of cards and said, let's play, I, I'd be like, okay. So that is uh, Lost Cities. Yeah. So uh, if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says... You could put them in a volcano. I could, but I don't like putting the podcasting camel into dangerous situations, unlike BP, who always wants to put the podcasting camel in a dangerous situation. So podcasting camel says, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. OK, so I get that. But like, how do how do you and I interact? We don't. OK. I was really counting on more green cards because I played that handshake and I have not gotten a single green card since. Situation not great. <laughs> <laughs>